Lord, we thank you so much for the awesome power of your word. As I close out this little mini-series I've been doing on the altar ministry, Lord, I just pray that you'll give us good fertile soil right now as you speak through me. And Lord, let it go out as living seeds of truth sown into good fertile soil. Hearts and minds and lives are watered by the Spirit of God that will take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains. Lord, I thank you for it. Let it be light that shines and dispels any darkness and brings truth and revelation and life. Let it be a hammer, Lord, that breaks down any strongholds, any lies of the evil one, and a sword that cuts away. And we thank you, Lord, for it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. A lot of people view God as an angry individual. I wouldn't say that God is 24-7 in a good mood, but I would say that um, he's, he's not somebody that is against you. What, what I think a lot of times hinders the altar ministry is people think that, that God is against them instead of for them. You know, they think that he's up there trying to find fault with them, and every time they mess up, squish them like a bug type of thing, and that is not at all. That The opposite is true. When you're a child of God, God is for you. He loves you. And you got to understand, he sees you through the blood of Jesus. And um, he's wanting to be intimate with you. He's wanting to be close to you. He wants to fellowship with you. And, and the flaws and imperfections in your life, he knows they're there, but he still loves you unconditionally. He's wanting you to, to keep coming closer to him and let him weed that out of you because you're, every time he's weeding all that out, you're getting closer and closer and closer and closer to him. And that's his heart. That's what he wants. He created us for fellowship. Amen? And there's times that the Lord is, is angry at sin, but not. I'm not saying he's angry at us. He just The Lord does get angry at sin, and um, he does get angry about the injustices of the world. Amen? But... Um, God is for us. He loves us. And I think that one of the things that really helped during the 40s and 50s was Oral Roberts and others did a really good job of bringing the revelation to the body of Christ that God is a good God. Because a lot of people viewed if they were sick, if something was going wrong in their life, they viewed it like they were being judged by God. You see what I'm saying? And that is not at all the way that it is. God, God doesn't I'm not saying that that can't happen, but that's not what's going on. The devil is the one that's come to steal, kill, and destroy. Y'all understand where I'm going with this? If you can get people to understand that God is for them, it's his will to heal them. It is not God's will that people be sick. It is not. Sickness came in because of sin into the world. It is not God's will that people are tormented. If you can help people understand that, that they're safe with the Lord, they're if they can get past the mentality that God is angry with them, he's disappointed, if they get past all that junk and, and understand that they're safe with the Lord, you know, that they can trust him and that they can be real and they can confess their sin. See, what happened when Adam and Eve fell, Adam ran and hid, and that's what people do. They feel imperfect, so they, they go away from God but in actual fact, what you need to do is if you feel like there's flaws and things there, you need to be going toward him. Because he's the one that is going to fix it, and he wants to fix it. He loves you. And, and if people can just get that in their mind, that God is for them, 
So one of the things you're going to deal with with the altar ministry, probably more than anything else, is helping people to come to a realization that God loves them and he's for them and he's, he's wanting to help them. He's wanting them to be healed. He's wanting them to be inwardly healed. He's wanting them to be delivered. And he's not angry with them because they're not perfect. You see what I'm saying? None of us are perfect. If God was angry with Christians because they're not perfect, he would just be angry all the time at everybody. Because there's no, you're going to be living the rest of your life to the day you die as an imperfect human being. God is not angry with imperfection. Okay. There are some things that anger the Lord, but if people will humble themselves and repent, He is, what does the Bible say? He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so. Those that have faith and don't go by feelings, that's another thing about the altar ministry. You've got to teach people to believe God's word. You know, people say, well, I don't know if I'm forgiven. Well, why would you say that? Well, I don't feel forgiven. You see what I'm saying? You don't feel forgiven because you're condemning your own self. But the Bible says, if you will confess it, he's faithful and just to forgive you. You've got to believe it, even if you don't feel it. That, that, I'm trying to show you what the biggest hindrance a lot of times to people getting a miracle is. They sit around confessing the same sin over and over and over and thinking of themselves that God's mad at me and I'm such a disappointment and I uh, and they just they feel so they go on these deep long guilt trips over themselves about their imperfections and all this and and it's a real hindrance to their miracle. You understand. God knows that all of us, every preacher, every apostle, every prophet, every pastor, everybody in the body of Christ is imperfect, and he still loves you just like that. And if you confess things, he'll forgive you. Just move toward him and let him heal you and minister to you. Is this making sense? Because if, you, if people feel like, well, I don't know, if they feel that way, then they, then, they, then they start thinking, well, I don't know that God would heal me or deliver me or do this for me because they, they feel like I'm such a piece of junk over here. Why would God do this for me? No, no, no. <laughs> all of us have our issues in life. God paid for all of it at Calvary, period. Amen? And Kenneth Hagin said in his, his ministry, I love Kenneth Hagin, he said that um, the, the people he saw get healed the most were people that were imperfect people. That what he meant by that was a lot of times they were less spiritual. You guys that heard some of his sermons will remember him talking about this. There were times he saw people that you would consider to be less spiritual than others, but they seemed to always get a miracle. And here's why he said, because they were quick to forgive people and they were quick to repent of their sin. And whenever they were in trouble, they would come to God and they got miracle after miracle and after miracle, even though... They were not the most spiritual people. You see what I'm saying? But then there were people that he saw that were always in church. They were always really involved. They were really plugged into different areas. They, they were the type people you would see and you would think, these people are so spiritual. But they didn't get miracles. And can it take them seeking God? Why, why aren't we seeing a miracle here? And it's because they would harbor resentment and not be quick to forgive. And because they were slow to repent of their sin. Somebody would say something to them and they would sit there and justify it. Well, I'm not that bad of a person. I, I, and they, they were slow to forgive and slow to repent of their sin. And so they were slow getting their miracles. 
Is this making sense? All right, let me run through this real quick. This is how I want to close it out. You're going to have to help people see that God loves them, period. And Jesus died for their sin. He paid for their sickness. He paid for their deliverance. It's unconditional. God loves them, period. And they're just going to have to accept that. That's number one. Number two, Moses had his personal burning bush experience, and then he led a nation to Mount Sinai where the whole nation had a burning bush experience at Sinai. Remember that? So Moses, what Moses got from God in the secret place by himself, then he could take a nation to experience that. In other words, you can't release what you don't have. You've got to get it between you and God in prayer. Seek him. Find him. Keep pursuing him. Some of the greatest ministers of the gospel, at the birth of their ministry, they were so desperate. When we studied God's generals, people like A.A. Allen and others, they, they were so desperate, and they would go off into a closet, and they say, God, I've got to find you, and I've got to find your miracle-working power. I have got to have this. And, and they, they, they were desperate, and they sought God in the secret place, and God touched them in the secret place, and then you saw the result of it publicly. It comes out of the secret place. Another thing I would encourage you is learn by watching others operate in the power of God. Randy Clark, is, you know, he just operates very powerfully under the anointing. But I'm going to tell you, whenever he first started getting touched by God, um, he was at a Rodney Howard Brown meeting and God had touched him and he was kind of following and watching how Rodney was doing things. And uh, some of Rodney's guys were like, what are you doing, man? You know, because <laughs> he was he was coming across like a stalker. But he said what he was doing was, he said I was just trying to see what he was doing and just kind of learn from what he was doing. You know, you can learn a lot by watching. So I encourage you to do that. Watch other people operate in the power of God, but don't try to clone them. Learn, but you better be your own self. That's a big deal with me. Do not ever try to be a little Benny Hinn Jr. Don't you? But the Benny's wonderful, man. I love the guy. I've learned so much from it. Don't try to be a Rodney Hyder Brown Jr. Don't try to be some other anointed. I'm going to be just like, you know, don't do that. Be who God made you to be. Learn from him, but you operate in what God's called you to. And you may have different techniques. There's people I've learned from, but God doesn't use me the exact same way. And when I've tried to do that in times past, it doesn't work for me. God uses you the way he wants to use you as an individual. What works in one situation may not work in another. Jesus maybe would rub somebody's eyes one time. He spit mud, put mud packs another time. Then another time he just speak. So what works once, don't, you can't say, oh, well, this we did this, and somebody got healed, so let's just keep doing the same thing over and over. It may not work that way. You've got to be led by the Spirit. Amen? As I've talked about before, let God impart to you. I remember I did a series on impartation. Let, let God impart to you. If God's moving somewhere, go and receive from God. Get hands laid upon you for impartation. 
I believe you guys have much more probably in you than you could probably even imagine at this point. But um, God is developing you. Down the road, it'll really come out. You'll see what I'm talking about. But there's so much that's been imparted to you through the laying on of hands. Another thing that's very powerful is soaking. You know, it's interesting about Toronto, but I knew about this type of thing many, many years ago because I'd read books where... um, there were people back in the dark ages that were true Christians and the Catholic Church tried to kill all of them and put them in prison. But they found God in the secret place and they talked about how they would soak in his presence. Just lay back and soak and talk to God and quietly, intimately soaking. And, and I knew about that. And also you hear about other people. Catherine Coleman talked about that. She talked about the prayer of, of stillness. That's what she called it where you would just lay back in God's presence and be still and quiet and just very quietly talk to God. But in that place of soaking, there's tremendous power. That is probably one of the most powerful places for the altar ministry. Before I minister in the altars, I've always spent some time that day laying myself down before the Lord and just soaking in His presence. And most of the time, when God's really going to move in great power, that night what happened to me in my private time I'll see that same thing happen to people in the service that's why a lot of times I'll know if something specific is going to happen because it happened to me earlier see God puts that in you and upon you and then he'll release it through you okay but also there's times where I haven't even had a lot of time to pray and God shows up in great power. So you can't make it like, well, I didn't have a lot of time to pray, so I don't think anything's going to happen. And tell you a funny story that Rodney Howard Brown told. He said that God had been moving powerfully and he went to this next church. And um, he got there and he was talking to the pastor's kids. He was at their house and he ended up, one thing led to another, and he's playing video games with them. Okay, so that's what he was doing. And so the pastor, he, got, he just lost track of time. He's playing video games with the pastor's kids. And uh, the pastor comes in. He's like, Brother Rodney, haven't you been praying, getting ready for service, you know? And he said, oh, I forgot. Sorry, you know. And, and the pastor got nervous. He's like, man, I had you come in here. And so they drove to church, and Rodney's kind of laughing because he's like, man, it's not one prayer time that's going to do. You know what I'm saying? It's a life of walking with God here. So he's just sitting in the car, and they get there. And that night, the power of God slammed the place, and everybody was touched, and it was a blowout revival. And uh, he was joking around. I don't know if this happened or not, but he said they got back home, and the pastor was like, let's play some video games, you know. <laughs> All right. But my point is is that it's, it's seeking the Lord in the secret place. All right, last couple things. Um, blessings and prophetic words mark somebody. Now, this is interesting. When you speak blessings or you release a prophetic word, they, those words actually go out of your mouth and they go on somebody. Okay? Some of you guys have had a situation where somebody stamped something and, you, you know, I'm, I'm serious. It is stamped on them. They're marked. And that blessing or that prophetic word, you can't see it with your natural eye, but somehow it is stamped on them. And it goes with them. I'm going to give you an example. Um, and this is important that you know this. I'm telling you things because if you know what's going on, it makes a big difference. For example, last week or the week before, 
I had a prophetic word for Chris. But while I was speaking this prophetic word, I knew this was the word of the Lord, and I knew that the word was going to go out, and I knew that God wanted to put it on him. So I'm sitting back like this, and I'm prophesying the word of the Lord. And then I said, Lord, it stamps on him now. And as soon as I said that, I didn't even touch him. He began to shake and was thrown backward. But what happened? The word, the prophetic word, and the Holy Spirit's anointing marked it. It put, it put that word on him. And that word, you can't see it, it's on him. <laughs> I don't know how that works, but that word's on him, and God's going to make sure it comes to pass, okay? But the point is, is that when you're in the altar time, understand that your authority to, to impart, not just the anointing, but your authority to impart um, blessings and prophetic words. I've seen people, a, a little old lady by the name of Jan Painter, uh, minister, she's a prophetess. She ministers for John Kilpatrick, some powerful woman of God. And I, I remember her turning and prophesying to John Kilpatrick and Nathan and some others. But see, she not only prophesied out the words, but then she would lay hands. And what's happening is those words combined with the anointing, and it, it literally stamped on them. And you could see it. They flew back under the power of God. And I've had similar things happen to me. Uh, I'm trying to remember the guy's name. Sam Brassfield. You were there. We were in this small meeting with some other preachers at Heartland, and Steve Hill was there. And um, I remember Brother Steve getting hit by the power. Remember that? He's down on the... That was awesome. But Sam started prophesying over everybody. And at the time, I was really not interested in worship that much as far as leading. It's not... I didn't... I wanted God to use somebody else with that. I was more focused on praying for people, preaching the word, etc., and he's prophesying and praying over everybody. He prophesies over me, worship, praise for me. I get hit by the power. So now I'm marked with worship. It's there. It's on me. And I've been stamped. And uh, after that, worship really started taking off. But seriously, that was, I would not have um, thought that word. Because he was going through praying over each person. I was thinking something completely different than worship. I was thinking maybe, you know, the lost or, or teaching or whatever I'm called to do. But he said worship, and he prayed over me. And from that day forward, something really started moving in that area. So those words have power. Understand you can mark people. And another thing, don't receive curses and be careful what you say. If somebody comes up to you and they have a prophetic word about you're going to have a car wreck and die, okay, let me encourage you to be like, I don't receive that. Okay, that, that's not going to stick on me. Okay, I'm being serious that those words are not going to stamp me, okay? Are y'all hearing me? You would be shocked at some of the prophetic words that people have for you. They want to bless you with this curse <laughs> straight from the pit, you know, and it's not God. I'm being serious. If you've seen things I've seen, you've got to be careful with that. People come up and they have a word for you, and it's like you need to make sure that you... Or like, I don't receive that word. It's not going to happen in my life. You need to push that back off you because it's a curse. And you need to be careful what you say to people. If you really legitimately get a warning, you need to present it in a way that's not cursing them. Because you can get a warning from the Lord and be like, listen, man, you're heading down a dangerous road. You can warn somebody. You may have a prophecy like that, but you better be careful how you word it that you're not speaking a curse over their life. 
Because just like you can mark somebody with blessings and, and, and prophetic words, you can also mark them with a curse. And somebody else can mark you with a curse if you let it. Don't let it. You've got to be careful what you receive from people. And there's also times to, to cooperate. I don't want to dwell on this too much, but there are times to ask the Lord to release angels and there's times to cooperate with what they're doing. And the longer that you're functioning under the anointing, <clears throat> the more that you're aware <clears throat> of the angels that are doing things around you. There's been, I don't even know how many times, there's been so many times this has happened, but I'll be praying for somebody and I can feel the angel of the Lord. And there, listen, this isn't like something just showed up. Every time Christians come together and worship, there's angels. There's not a time on planet Earth where Christians come together and worship that there's not angels there. You understand that? Any, anywhere. So it's not like some, oh, an angel came. You know, it's like, man, they're always here. You know, you just, the, the, when you're under the anointing and you're ministering to people, there's times, though, where you can feel them starting to do things and you, you kind of feel like, okay, now it's my time to move on. They're going to finish whatever. And Does that make sense? But they are here to minister and they do help, okay? I don't like to put a lot of attention on them. They don't like it either. The attention is supposed to be on Jesus. And what concerns me sometimes, I've seen some people do this, they'll talk more about angels than they do Jesus Christ. They're, they're quoting some prophet more than they're quoting the word of God. Are you seeing the imbalance? Okay. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on the word of God. Amen? All right. And the last two things is use your authority, as I talked about previously. You have authority in Jesus' name to speak to sickness to die. You have authority to speak and command bodies to be healed. You have authority to destroy the devil's works. You have authority to command demons to flee. And as I'm praying for people, I'm real generic about this, but this is something God has, has taught me. But I will pray a lot. I command in Jesus' name, be healed. Every part of you, spirit, somebody, be healed, be made whole. Many times you can feel something begin happening right there. Um, and then I'll say something like this. Anything that's of the devil's kingdom, and when I say that, I mean anything. Anything of the devil's kingdom, trying to hinder somebody, resist, hold them back, whatever, I break it off you right now in Jesus' name. And you can feel just a You can feel it just snap. There's so many times, I, but you have to be wise in the way you say it. I don't want to get off on that yet, but you break off them anything not of God. And then the third thing, Lord, release the impartation you have for them. And then as you're praying for them, I have felt people at times, I'm praying for them, I felt a real strong move with healing. And people have, have told me, you know, we've prayed and I've had many testimonies. People felt inner healing. They felt physical healing. Um, deliverance from things. They felt something lift off of them and leave. But those three things are the way that God has shown me. I command healing to be released in Jesus' name. I command destroy and break off them anything of the devil, everything of the devil's kingdom to go, any, any oppressive spirit to leave, and then release the impartation God has for them, which can be healing, um, fresh anointing, whatever heaven has for that person right there. Okay? Alright, um, and the very last thing is just the dilemma in the body of Christ that 
we need to understand two things. God is moving in different places in different ways. And what's happened is people that have had the humility and the wisdom to go to different moves of God and receive different anointings, what's happened is is all these different rivers have come together forming one mighty river. And all of this is going somewhere in the Spirit. Before Jesus comes, we're going to see the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the greatest move of God planet Earth has ever seen. And those that have had the humility and the wisdom to to receive from these different places, these different movements, it's all coming together and forming a powerful river in their ministry. Okay? We've got to not allow different views to divide. There's places I can go and receive from God. I love I totally love the people. I really do. And I and I would sit down and talk to them, hang out, but I don't fully agree with everything that they teach. But that is not that big a deal. I mean, unless they're really in something way off or something like that. But I mean most of the time, it's petty little differences. It's little pet doctrines. It really isn't that big of a deal, really. And you can't let those things divide us. Because you get three people in a room, you're going to have more than one opinion. Okay, that's just the way it is. So we can't let those things divide. You can't let that hinder you from going and receiving from God. Okay, just, just let those walls down. And whatever background people have, just love people, get along with people. All right. Did that help you guys, that series on altar ministry? All right. And uh, what we'll do when we get to where we're going, I'm going to start working a little bit more with um, praying together and getting some revelation.